This episode is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Prepare to attack the enemy's control points. Get behind me, Doctor! I am fully charged! <laughs> you are listening to Control Point, a Team Fortress 2 podcast with Brent Copeland, Eric Fullerton, Wes Wilson, and Spencer Williams. Control Point, episode 49, recorded on October 19th, 2008. I'm Brent Copeland. I'm Wes Wilson. And I am Eric Fullerton. And I am the echo in the room. Echo, echo, echo. Yeah, this episode might be a little more echoey than normal because we've moved our studio and we've had little time to sound dampen it. But, uh... But welcome to episode 49, where your dreams come true. Um, we are uh, we have a guest with us today. His name is Brian Wood, a.k.a. Mint Condition. Woohoo! Hey, everybody. How's it going? Yay. Hey, guys. Thanks going good? How are you doing? Good. Yeah, it's been uh, kind of a busy week, but uh, getting time to relax and do the podcast day. So that's a good thing. Cool. All right. So we have uh, we have some cool stuff in this here briefcase that uh, is is not yet open, but I already took a peek earlier. Really? Yeah. That's good because this thing is totally <laughs> locked. I can't get it open. You can't. Oh, do I get to be part of a briefcase sketch? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you under- if you can come up with anything while it's going on, we fully support that. But we, we never have these planned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess until then we'll just uh, we'll work on this um, cryptic lock and uh, but uh, but for now I'll tell you what I saw in there earlier. Really? You you, you want to hear about that? No. Um, okay. We have uh, <laughs> uh, happy birthday to Team Fortress Two. One, one year mark. Um, uh, which incidentally is almost our one year mark as well. Uh, also today we're going to be talking about Badwater Basin. Uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of um, requests for this, and it is an official Valve map, so why not? Uh, <laughs> also, uh, we will be launching a new podcast very, very soon. Oh, are we talking about that? Uh-huh. Very cool. Might as well get some early buzz in there, you know? I bet we've got some listener contributions, too. Oh, uh, we have a pile. And in fact, uh, we skipped last week so that we could uh, land our episode 50 on our one-year mark. Uh, but by doing that, we just accumulated more and more call-ins and mp Animosity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, it's all about love, man. It's all love. <laughs> so we do have a, a really packed episode here, so um, let's get right to it. Uh, Brent, you want to talk about your excellent status? Sure. Uh, let's see. I played uh, After Dark with you the other night after we uh, spent a long time working on Ep50. For mm-hmm. a while, and then you and me got online and started blowing people away. This is true. I can confirm, and I got screenshots. Uh-oh, screenshots. <laughs> I'm hoping people didn't record it all, because I pretty much made a complete ass of myself I think people night. were. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Awesome. Uh, were you, we, were, did, so you were right over You were here when you did it? Yes, I was here. Yeah. Okay. I should not have driven, driven home. Drove in? Yeah, drove it. It's <laughs> it still still some effects, obviously. From <laughs> it was night. funny, like looking at Twitter too. The next day, it oh. was just like at least three or four t- uh, tweets from people saying, "You know, CP after dark is so fun," and "Oh my God, Brent was so drunk." <laughs> like, all this, and it was just like, <laughs> "Wow." Yeah, you were tipsy before I even left here. Yeah, it got worse. I went home and was sleep. I would start making Eric drinks. It was it was fun. Yeah, well, um, I was there for the first one. 
You, you were like, what are you drinking there, Brent? And oh, he goes, yeah. here, let me make this for you. And it all <laughs> went, we went through two or three more of those. And, yeah. Then it uh, all went spiraling downhill from there. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, it's five. I, I really need to go home. And, and <laughs> You went yeah. home at five in the morning. Well, you know, 530, something like that. <laughs> and I, I, t- I had to stop. I actually uh, turned off into like a neighborhood and, and probably slept for a good 20 30 minutes wow because i was just like okay really i shouldn't have really? gotten in the car yeah. I didn't know that. yeah i didn't realize i was so bad until i started like you know falling asleep and swerving off the road and stuff so oh, and i don't condone that at all so like i'm really <laughs> kind of against that kind of stuff so i was like okay this is wrong okay no, do you think um, this is admissible in court well, not you know. I'd, not, like make, I'd like to make a citizen's arrest. <laughs> okay, you you hold me here. <laughs> Let's see if you can do that. Okay, anyway, so that and I uh, also noticed on our Steam group before we started today that we had uh, one thousand nine hundred eighty-three people in. Ooh, so close. So we may not hit that two thousand mark before the uh, next 50? episode, and right. I think someone's going to owe me fifty cents or something or a penny. I think it was something. It was something. We'll have to go back. Someone will tell us. Anyway, so uh, what about you, Wes? I've got 18 friends. I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually had a, uh, well, you know, I just got back from Disney World, and uh, we had a lot of fun. But I didn't get back until later on Monday night. So I've only really been gaming a little bit this week, uh, because I also had to catch up on a lot of work stuff and do do some pouring and all that kind of stuff. But I did end up playing TF2 uh, last night, as a matter of fact. And it's because I uh, was unable to... My Warcraft server crashed. And I was unable to get my Warhammer account to let me pay them money. So I played some TF2 last night. I got on CP1. There was actually slots available on CP1 Uh, last night at 10.30. I was like, no way! That's that's rare. And uh, I got on it, and we we played for quite a while. I think I played till probably about 1 in the morning. Yeah, and, I saw um, you and Spencer were both on, and you were changing your name to all kinds of stuff. Oh, I was it was it was incessant. <laughs> uh, it started off um, with uh, somebody changed their name to. Um, well, I saw S N Akond, oh, and yeah, every time yeah. I see his name, I just think snacks. You know, I'm like it's snacky, <laughs> and and so uh, I said your name always reminds me of snacks. So he changed his names to snacks for my lord Ariok. Nice. <laughs> Which any Michael Moorcock fans know that's the chaos lord of Elric. Um, and then um, someone else did something for Dean Cain, and then. Um, yeah, so it sort of just you know went downhill. I saw a Snacky Jones in there. I have a Snacky Jones for a little that while. That's good. That good. Um, someone else was uh, the Hammer is my Wes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and it just sort of went downhill from there but we we played a lot uh i, I wish i had some you know great stories but uh, most of the time i was just dying um i did pretty well i played some ng on on a couple of maps just because uh, i've the main thing that makes me want to go ng is when there's no teleporters Hmm. If I'm playing a game and I can't get to the front lines quick and there's not two NGs, I'll go NG just so I can get teleporters up to help people out. Oh, okay. That's, That's the kind of guy I am. I know. Yeah. I've seen you. I see you love it most when the two NGs put like an entrance and then an exit and then another entrance right next to that exit with an exit next to that entrance. So you can just keep riding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Teleporter around. Yeah, That's great. I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know how effective that is. Really. <laughs> it gets them points. Yeah, it's, um, it's good exercise. But we we played um, you know pretty standard stuff. We played well, CTF well. We played uh, 
um, Bad Water. We played uh, Fast Lane. Oh, Fast Lane's cool. Um, I I I still am fifty fifty on that map. It seems to get steamrolled really, really easily. Really? Yeah. Once once it. I mean, if somebody has the momentum to do it, they seem to just roll straight through. And then you can throw all kinds of crazy defenses up, but it doesn't seem to do any difference on that last point. Hmm. Do you agree with me, Mint? Yeah, well, I think it's a. I think it's very similar in that main in that main to uh, uh, Badlands that you, you once you get thrown back for that first point, you're out of luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I completely agree with you. I like it though. I think it's fast paced, and that's one of the reasons I like it because it doesn't tend to stalemate. So that one side or the other is probably going to win. There's there's not a whole lot of back and forth. Um, I mean, there's enough back and forth. I feel like that second point, unlike the Spire, which in, in uh, Badlands, which tends to get locked up and you get a lot of uh, fighting back and forth over that one, but you really can't recover from it. It's very tough to come back from losing the middle point in Badlands. I think in Fast Lane, you're not really dead until you've gotten pushed all the way back and you're doing nothing but defending that first point. Yes. Um, that's the thing I like about Fast Lane is that it really does seem to be a little bit more dynamic and there is more hope of coming back from a loss like no, no, like no other Wellish map really is. Well, but Jeez, I, don't, your I, I do believe that you can come <laughs> back from it, but I don't think anyone ever does. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. but it, it I really, have. It really challenges a team. That is definitely true. Um, one funny point. Um, you know, as soon as I start logging on, you know, of course, you know, I start getting headshotted and I start complaining about snipers. <laughs> and uh, and um, I found that when I play, people really try to get me to ban snipers. They try to get me to boot people or, or put beacons on them. And uh, uh, Ryan actually offered me $5 to ban Unicycle Jester. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Jester is becoming quite that's a sniper. That's awesome. <laughs> He's getting dangerous, man. Uncle Jesse. Yep. Yeah. Awesome, but that's pretty much my week. I I uh, I didn't get much gameplay in. Um, Disney World was great, by the way. Uh, Cardinal was asking me what it was like going with my son because our kids are about the same age, and um, going with an eighteen month old is great. And and Brent even joked around there must be something in the water down there because hmm. he picked up new words left and right, you know, and like he would see characters and then he would recognize them, hmm. and he loves all the little water fountains. You know, like the you go in the little kitty playgrounds with the little jets that kind of pop up every once in a uh, while. Yeah, yeah. And Duncan was a fountain crazy person. He just loved um, uh, fountains. Oh man, he <clears> should <throat> check out the one at the Bellagio in in uh, Las Vegas. Well, he wants to touch it, and so I think we should probably keep him away from that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good plan. His, his favorite fountains were outside of. Um, the uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience thing. There's a fountain out there where they've got oh. like water streams leaping around. You know? Oh, I've seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was one. There was a fountain in Epcot at France where um, he could actually put his hands in and touch the jets of water that were coming. Oh, God. Oh, was, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but oh, it, wow. and, and it was it was a lot of fun. But you got to keep in mind, like normally when you go to on a big vacation and you, you know, are thinking, okay, well, we're going to do this stuff at night and then come back and go to sleep. You don't think about the fact that your child is going to wake up at 530 in the morning. So it's sort of, you know, it, it, there, there's this whole like, you know, okay, we got to get up super early with the kid. Then we got to sit around in the hotel room till the parks open. And then we go to the parks for a few hours and then it's nap time, lunchtime and nap time. So then we got to work our way back to the hotel room and hopefully they won't be asleep so much so that they won't go back to sleep once we get back to the hotel room. Yeah. And then you have your nap and then you go back to the parks in the in the afternoon and 
then it's, I hope you got enough sleep so you won't be cranky. So it really kind of threw a monkey in the works, but it was a lot of fun. And there you go. There's my, my Disney World report, Cardinal. <laughs> nice. Well, well, well. Okay, I guess it's my turn. I, uh, I played uh, CP After Dark on Friday, and uh, like we said, it was in full swing. We had drinking. We had name-changing. We had teleporting, admin abuse. And cyberpunk. <laughs> oh no! I didn't even Eight mention cyberpunk. Out. I mean, that's that's all the makings for a successful CP after dark session. Yeah, we even had a spy in the discotheque a few times. Oh, I know it was so great. <laughs> Such a lame game, but it was really fun. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, we played. Um, I don't remember what all uh, all maps. We, we played a lot of Valve maps, actually. Yeah. I, really, the only custom we we played that night was Cyberpunk. Yeah, I don't think I don't even know if we have any custom on the ro- rotation now. I haven't no. really looked at that at Since all. Since we don't have a download server, right? We have no, been, uh, we have been donated download ser- download server from Jazz, I believe. Right? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and we could talk a little about that uh, in a minute. Actually, um, I think Mint has a little something to say about that. Um, since I kind of passed a, along uh, the info to Jolly Eskimo and Mint Condition and said, here, you guys do it. <laughs> I just posted yeah. on the web. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, um, that and uh, I've been uh, working on this new show that we'll talk to you uh, in a minute about. Um, and working on um, episode 50. It's it's actually um, not going to be a special episode at all. It's just going to be a regular old episode. Sorry about that, folks, but, uh, you know. Uh, so yeah, what, what about you, uh, Mint Condition? What uh, what is your status? My status? I'm sitting in a room. No, um, <laughs> I see. Actually, this is like one of the weeks you got me that I haven't really been doing that much. I've been playing uh, uh, some WoW, really. Uh, so I spent some time on that because I was uh, anxious to make sure that I got that I got 55 out of the way so I could do the Death Knight thing when it came out. Oh, cool. So, but that's cool. Now I'm now I'm 56, and so I uh, I've got that. And also, uh, we've been playing a lot of uh, Hidden. And Zombie Panic Source. Oh, yeah. You play these are the ones they gave they gave out. I think they gave, Hidden was one of those, but Zombie Panic and Synergy and Age of Chivalry and it was one other. I think that they just kind of gave out as uh, if you owned uh, uh, Source games, they gave them out on Steam. So we've been playing uh, some of that. That was fun. Hidden's a lot of fun. Have you guys played Hidden? No, no. no. Hidden is um, it's uh, it's always played in a small server, so it's like max of a ten player server, uh-huh. and it's uh, nine against one. So it's like the entire team against one person, and that person is all but invisible and has nothing but a knife and makeshift grenades. Hmm. And the object is to try and you know sneak up on the other team and kill them before somebody finally ferrets you out. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It is. Uh, it's a. It's great fun. So we've been playing that, and uh, we did play some TF2. I, we played mostly Valve maps. I've been trying to to hang around the cp1 as much as possible mm-hmm. um but every once in a while you know i'll pop over to to focused servers there's a lot of fun over there those i always get outclassed on focused because i like to come back to cp and at least feel like i'm in the middle of the pack because on, <laughs> on focus you go over to focus sometimes and it's just like okay i have absolutely no clue how to play this game those guys are just, oh. yeah those guys um they have too much focus on, on the game <laughs> <laughs> they're really good many of them are very very good but yeah. uh um, yeah, so so we've been playing that, and I think. Uh, well, you asked about the map server. I think Jolly's got it working, so that we okay. can start get back to custom maps. Um, All right. That was the problem. Was it without a download server, and uh, something was going on so that it wouldn't just download from the game server. It would mm-hmm. uh, it would just kick you out and say, oh, you you don't have the map, go away. Um, so now that we've got the download server back, we can get some decent customs into rotation. But uh, yeah. yeah, I've been playing. 
playing Badwater and uh, really liking Badwater, but I guess we'll what's the uh, we'll talk about that later unless you've trademarked that term. <laughs> no, you can use it. Okay. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, so we've been playing some Badwater, and every time I get the opportunity, and also um, uh, trying new and different things on Steel as uh, maybe hmm. offensive ng and you know you know me i don't pick a single class right so i've been t- playing a lot of medic and a lot of uh, a lot of offensive ng trying to uh, pretend i'm soulless you know kind of <laughs> kind of like your uh, your new avatar i noticed in the forums it's a yes. swiss army okay. knife i gotta give a shout out to boom rocker on that one <laughs> have you seen those avatars all of them especially the one he made for me which is like a little swiss army knife with yeah. each one of the little weapons for each class's weapon like sticking out of it it's That's awesome brilliant <laughs> Yeah, Boom Rocker amazes me. I don't think there's anything he can't draw. Yeah, he, he's. Uh, we were really lucky to to be able to tap him for that. He just started that as a lark. He was like, "Oh, here's." I think he the first one he did was the one for Allie, which mm-hmm. was the little pyro snuggling the flamethrower. Yeah, that was great. That I, I was saw that fun. was happening, and then I asked him. I was like, "Hey, can you make me a new one too?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I originally I uh, the well the first of all he was just playing around because he wanted something to do, and then he started doing them for all the ASJS folks, mm. and um, uh, he he did a little kind of like crazy Eskimo looking for Jolly. You know, that, like, I'm uh, going to kill you. Yeah, with the, with the bloody knife in it. What yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he did, he's done some really amazing things. They all have that sort of orange and black, uh, orange and yellow background on them, which uh, uh, kind of lends a theme. So I like that. Right, so. right. I've been trying to figure out something I could ask him to do. But, you know, I'm really trying to figure out what a Wes Wilson icon would look like. And I can't think of anything. I think giant W. Oh wait, that's that's, <laughs> that's what I was thinking too. So. Already did it. Well, okay. So if you get any good ideas, Boom Rocker, just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we can jump right into the old on the loudspeaker. On the loudspeaker. On the loudspeaker. <laughs> and, uh, can I just say? Can I say one thing first? Though it's it's very weird to be you know talking back to you guys during the podcast and having you actually hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, I'm like, what? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard anybody say. And you just keep right on talking. <laughs> well, you should see what it's like when I listen to the episodes I'm not on. Uh, yeah. I sometimes want to take notes and come back and have an episode recap, you know, on the uh, next yeah. episode. But I you go- tried that one time, and we, we really stopped that fast. Yeah, you did. You pretty much stomped on all my opinions and dreams. <laughs> all right. Well, we hear a voice over the loudspeaker, and he's saying... Uh, He's saying, what is he saying? Oh, She's saying. Speaker. She is saying uh, <laughs> the TF2 turned one year on Thursday, October 9th. And Happy and- birthday, Mr. TF2. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we will turn one year old on October 20th, 2008, because we started this on October 20th, 2007. So that'll be our one year. Uh, and hopefully episode 50 will be out at the same time. Um so I think after a year of TF2 win. Wait, you think we're going to have episode 50 out tomorrow? Someone's cell phone is going off. Uh-oh. It's the good, <laughs> the bad, and the ugly. Um, we, uh, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? So we're, we're turning one-year-old win? Yes, October 20th. 20th. Yeah. Which is tomorrow. tomorrow. That is tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, okay. So you're right, Wes. We will not have episode 50 out at the... But around the time of our birthday, we will have the episode out. But wow, okay. So tomorrow we turn one year old. I think yeah. the leap year did it to us. Something weird yeah, happened Yeah, something, something bizarre happened. Um, it's October having four weeks in it. 
I mean, five weeks instead of four. That's a freak. Or, or 42. Well, five yeah, Fridays seven. instead of just, four. Just throw numbers out there. Yeah. You're hurting my head. Three times the uh, root of two and, uh, yeah, under um, seven. And, sine and cosines and stuff. And I okay, think um, we'll have it. <laughs> uh, uh, a little comment about um, TF2's year-old um, stint. It's, uh, it's still a good game, and they're still coming out with new content, and it's probably still the only first-person shooter game worthy of a uh, a podcast a podcast that actually can deliver new news about a year old games yes it's odd and, and not just um cu- uh, custom maps because custom maps are e- every game will have custom maps to talk mm-hmm. about but but this actually has news you know and uh and and we actually we did hear that there's no new T- tf2 updates until 2009 so yeah, there's some makes- news for you yeah, yeah, that makes me sad, though. I was kind of hoping really we'd get sad. something for Christmas or, or like November, December time frame. But I know I'm think- a little surprised. I would think that it's that a class update and a couple of uh, and a couple of user maps would be fairly easy to deliver. Yeah, well, especially yeah. they could have taken and it would have been perfect if they'd released one like maybe uh, late November, early December, and you made the made Snowfort their user map. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, no give, a, give a class update and, and toss uh, Snowford out there. But they mm-hmm. apparently, I, I from what I looked like, they were spending all of their energies on Left for Dead. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. They kind of, um, it, it's not. They don't have a, too many developers there. I, I'm guessing they probably should uh, get a, a dedicated team on mm-hmm. uh, doing Steam or TF2 updates. Well, there's that, and then there's the fact that Valve is is doing the Half Life MMO. So. They are. No, <laughs> no. But I was they like, could be. I, I felt suddenly quite inadequate. I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just a rumor I've been trying to start for a couple of months. That's oh, all. Oh, nice. Okay. But I this is a great place to start it. <laughs> yeah, but it's. Well. I, I just couldn't follow through. You need to, you need to warm us up so we can, we can follow your lead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah now, I'm sorry. I was actually so. glancing at the Team Fortress Two uh, blog to see stuff, and they actually had an update on the 16th. So. Uh, new update. What what is the uh, the new one about? Uh, I didn't really have time to look at it, but it looks like they have a movie for Meet the Sandwich. Yeah, well, they're they're talking about like it, it's kind of a spoof on their original plans for Meet the Sandwich. Oh, interesting. It's it's kind of humorous, actually. Wow. One is... thing I'll point out, you know, there's no subscription fee for this, and right. WoW, you know, puts out a lot. Of, I mean, during their first year, they put out a lot of good content, but they also were charging fifteen bucks a month. Yeah. So the fact that we're getting content, I'd say you know a respectable amount of content, and there's no subscription fee. I think I still think this is one of the best deals around. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, we can uh, uh, walk down the path of respawn times. This was a um, this was a, uh, a Team Fortress blog post uh, that just kind of came out of nowhere with all kinds of. Technical info on uh, on how respawn times are are um, computed. I thought it was very cool. Um, some neat little insights here. Anybody have any comments on these? Any any surprising facts? It didn't seem that it made. I don't know. It didn't seem like it made as much sense after I read it as I thought it made before it. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. It just kind of wound up confusing me more. Maybe I don't have the same brain that like Sigma or whatever has when he does all of his numbers. <laughs> right. But uh, I was just read it and I was like, wait. And then there's and then what? And then 
and then 10 seconds but then there's but not but not everybody spawns when that 10 second timer is up and then there's another i don't get it (laughs) yeah actually i'm glad you said that because i'm kind of the same boat (laughs) is why i kind of passed it on to you guys as far as comments but yeah (laughs) well i just glazed over it the most interesting interesting thing i saw was the link to the the left for dead blog <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. And then there's, I'm sure there's people out there right now that are sitting there going, "My God, you guys are so stupid." Yeah, I can't believe you don't get this, but I'm sorry. I, you know, for me, it's just like, okay, I got killed. Wait, wait. Okay, now run, run, go. Yeah. So that's that's, that's what respawn does for me. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I'm a little surprised. I mean, I, I you know I sort of get you know some of the things that they bring up here, but I, I didn't. They I think they were a little more verbose than they needed to be on some of these. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think one of the things for me about respawn is it's important to know in a team setting, um, especially like in squad based or when you're trying to be a little more serious about it. It's important to to simply to know um, about the waves that that is that's critical because it means that um, when you respawn, there's a good chance that you're going to be responding with other people. And also, if you've just killed their whole team, their whole team will probably be coming back. All at once. And so you have to be aware that, yes, you're facing no opposition as you're like, for instance, when you're pushing the cart in uh, 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 Gold Rush stage one, you've got mm-hmm. no opposition. But guess what? By the time you get to where you're going to be pushing the cart in for victory, they're going to all be coming around the sides, over the top, everybody all at once. So it might be a good idea to to uh, get a little bit defensive cause, and let them just rush at you uh, rather than you being completely undefended when everybody respawns. Good point. So. Mm-hmm. It also shows another good reason that it's actually good to maybe have a strategy of someone pushing ahead and causing distraction up front. You know, if they're all coming in and he can send them, you know, running after him or something. Oh, yeah, absolutely. save everybody else so much time. Yep. One thing I would like in a respawn situation, though, that, that, I, that we don't have, I would love for there to be a list of who's respawning with you and what class they are. I thought you were going to say hot tub. Well, that, that would be nice too. Soak my feet in between, but uh, but I mean, really, like if I'm going to be respawning and I'm going to be, you know, especially if I'm going to change classes, you know, like say I'm pondering a class change. Well, I might, you know, factor who I'm going to be respawning with in with that decision. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you're going to be respawning, and it also, um, but I think some of that is just situational knowledge. Uh, it's really hard to do on a pub when you're not even really sure who's on your team. So I get that. Um, I think in a in a class ga- in a squad game rather, um, you do kind of know who's going to be spawning with you at the same time. And especially I've noticed when I'm playing heavy or when I'm playing medic, um, usually the two of us go down at the same time. So I'm if I'm one or the other, I'm always waiting for the other one to respawn. Um, to, so that I can go with them or I'm looking for a soldier or something else that I'm going to uh, be a good pair with and rather than just running out by myself. Meanwhile, if I'm a spy, I'm trying to get as far away from those guys as possible because other, otherwise I'm going to draw, you know, I might pick up the stray bullet while those guys are being shot at. So I think it, I think what you say is right and it's it doesn't take too long to just kind of look around and figure out who you're spawning with but um it would be nice if you're going to do a class change realizing okay i was playing ng but all my stuff just got destroyed and you know what it would be better for me to play medic right now or maybe to go um heavy so that i can uh because i'm not going to have time to build my century before they're on top of us so yeah i agree with you 
Cool. All right. <laughs> Good insights there. A lot more than I would have thought, but that's yeah, great. Okay. Well, uh, I this next point is something I wanted to bring up. Um, we had a, um, you know, we've we've always you know been friends with a lot of other communities, and uh, one of the things that happened recently is some of the CP members went over and were using um, the GWJ, um, which what was it? Uh, zombie attack? Zombie panic? Zombie attack? <laughs> Was it their zombie sort? Was it zombie or hidden? It was one of the two. It was, it was their zombie, zombie server. And um, they were a little bit kind of surprised because it's a passworded server. And, you know, they came on and it was totally taken up with CP people. And so I, you know, we got into a discussion about it and I don't think there was any hard feelings. But at the same time, I wanted to talk a little bit about server etiquette, like using other people's servers and things like that. Um the main reason I wanted to bring it up is because I honestly felt like everybody in CP, if, if, if I was on somebody else's server and they said, Hey, look, we need some room. We've got some more people coming, you know, in a heartbeat, I'd be like, Oh, okay. Thanks for letting us use your server. You know, we'll move on all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's also some other things I didn't really, you know, take into consideration in this particular case. The GWJ server is a single machine running four different servers and it can, you know, if people are on it, they can be using cycles and and resources that that will eat up. Do, do you get my point? Yeah, yeah. It's not like a commercial server where you know the bandwidth and the CPU cycles are probably you know totally independent server to server. Right. So so how did people get on it if it was passworded? Um, one of our community members, and uh, you know I've done it too. Like I'll be on you know Stan's Lounge, and Clyde will be like, "Hey, I'd like to come join you. What's the password?" And I'll tell him. And what happened was, you know, some people were like, "Hey, let's go poke around and play some Zombie Panic." You know, I'm a member of the GWJ community. Why don't I invite over some people? And pretty much they had almost a full server, you know, of of CP people. And um, but I wanted to bring it up, and and I, mainly I wanted to point out a few things. Number one, if you're on somebody else's server and um, you, you need to pay attention to what the rules are. And in particular, GWJ does have the rule, you know, if you're going to play on our servers, you need to have an account on GWJ. And you need, you know, and what they've done now to, to combat this is there is a email password list now. And you're not allowed to share the password, but if you have a GWJ account, you can sign up and be on the password list and you'll get the password each week. But... Um, I, I, you know, if you're on somebody else's server, especially a private server, you need to make sure that you're following the rules for that server. Additionally, you know, make sure that, you know, if, if there's a lot of your squad or clan or, you know, whatever, and some of the regular people who use it come on and go, I don't know any of you guys, you know, who, who, you know, and just say, Hey, look, Oh, we just, we're stopping in. You know, if you, you know, want us to go, we'll go. That's fine. That's fine. Just, just don't be, you know, I, I would hate for anyone to ever carry themselves in a way that, you know, made us feel like freeloaders, you know, Hey, we're going to come over and we're going to use your server and, and, and use up the resources and not let your people on. And then the last thing was, um, Oh crap. I forgot my, Oh, well, I had one more point and I forgot one it. more etiquette rule. Yeah. So, so what did someone come on and say, Hey, y'all shouldn't be here. And then people said, screw you. No, there wasn't any hostility. It wasn't like that. It was just, people were like, you know, Hey, look, we're, we've been supporting the server and all of a sudden there's a bunch of people using it. And we don't know who they are. And they all have the same tag. It's like, yes. wow, a big, you know, yeah. clan came up in here. And it was, it, the, the, the comment was made, you know, that, that we were treating it like our personal private server. And I took offense to that. And I, I, you know, I approached people and I said, Hey, look, you know, I, I, and I think that 
you know, we use store-bought servers. If we're not on them, they're still there. They're still running. It's no skin off our teeth if anybody sits on them and uses them. You know, but a, but a server that's in somebody's, you know, office using bandwidth that, you know, belongs to them, that's a, that's a completely different story. And you got to keep that in mind when you're thinking about how you think about servers. Mm-hmm. And I think that because uh, I, I wasn't actually present at the time um, for that, for, for, for what happened. But um, I think that part of it was that uh, that that hadn't actually been completely communicated. We we thought, um, from my understanding, that the CPE folks thought that it was just, a, you know, a, a game servers dot com type server. Yes. They didn't realize that it was a private one. And that would have been like and then uh, I think I think most people would have been like, oh, OK, yeah, I get it. Um, the other side of it was that um, that. I think that some of our folks were they were just kind of having fun. Zombie Panic isn't one of those games where it lends itself to getting too serious. So I think what mm-hmm. happened was a couple of them, uh, you know, a couple of the the GWJ guys came on and they got uh, um, the sort of a, almost a spillover from CP After Dark, and they just weren't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was kind of uh, so. That I think that's where it came from. But uh, it was, a lot of it has to do with communication. I mean, like anything else in adult conversation, the best thing that you can do is say, "Hey." I don't know what you guys were expecting, but this is the way things are. And uh, I think then the response would have been good. I think that the biggest concern came from um, people, the people who were members of our community that heard from the other side and then came back and were like, what were you guys doing? You know, I, I, I invited you in, but you guys were apparently acting like jerks later on. You can't do that. And um, no, of course not. So yeah, and I, the only jerky thing that re- the only jerky thing that I really heard got mentioned is uh, GWJ does not play music over their mics. <laughs> Period. Well, I, I wouldn't allow it either if I really had a, a say in anything about that because I just think it's obnoxious. Yeah, and and so keep in mind that even though like even on the CP servers where we kind of laugh about you might be playing a song or something, you know, really r- music mic spam is obnoxious. It's oh, rude. Yeah. I, I just got sick of telling people to stop, and I felt like a dick for excuse me, but I felt like a dick for saying it. Yeah, uh, you know, and and really, I, I think people should know that when you play that money, I can't talk to anyone on yeah, the server right. anymore. No one can talk to anyone, and they all have to sit and to listen to your music. Not <laughs> yep. everybody likes your music, right? You know, but. and I mean, I, I and don't get me wrong, I've laughed at somebody playing an appropriate song at an appropriate time, you know, and it's been funny. But it's right. one of these things where you know you can even do something really rude and funny in the middle of a department store. It doesn't mean it's the appropriate place to do it. <laughs> and when you're on other people's servers, you it, appropriateness, especially if you're wearing a CP tag. If you're wearing a CP tag, recognize that you are representing our community, whether we want you to or not. <laughs> and uh, and and you know I I I'm, I got I got a little defensive you know because I felt like I needed to stand up for my community because I feel like we have a lot of really really nice people mm-hmm. and when I saw uh, I saw a screenshot of you know the zombie panic server with all the names on it it's, I mean it was you know big names I'm not you know this isn't Joe Schmo from Ohio who's played on our server once I saw five or six names that have been with us for you know Ever. for almost a year yeah. and people that I would make an admin in a heartbeat yeah but I, I think men's got it right on this one it's all about communication I mean the first breakdown was whoever they gave the password to that then said hey why don't y'all all come over here he should have known that that wasn't the right thing to do. Well, that wasn't communicated to him that that mattered. Right. You know, right. didn't communicate that that server shouldn't be played on, which, you know, well, maybe uh, the server shouldn't be up if that's a big deal. Right. You know, or maybe that 
you know, that instance of it shouldn't be up. If the, but I understand it's private. Right. They want people to get in, and that's cool. Uh, and it sounds like it's being communicated now. Yes. People know now. So, uh, and I think that's right on that. It's communication. But uh, I this this just all breaks down to get your bikes off my lawn, you stupid kids. <laughs> <laughs> Darn kids. <laughs> well, okay. I just thought it was important to bring that up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, we'll quickly um, introduce this. this. is a This is a new show uh, that uh, DWP it will be producing. It is a general gaming show uh, podcast. Uh, it is actually a daily podcast, uh, and the name of it is the Daily Gamer. Are you talking seven days a week or five? Five. five. Okay. Monday through Friday. You will get more content than you will be able to listen to. So you can pick and choose what you would like to listen to. Each episode will have a maximum of two hosts, maybe just one on uh, on certain episodes. Uh, and each each episode will uh, will be uh, from you know fifteen to twenty minutes long, maybe longer, but but no shorter than fifteen minutes. And uh, each each episode will be about a game or a game mechanic or a game company. Pretty much just one topic per episode. Uh, for the most part, it's it's more of a review and uh, you know uh, show than it is a. Um, there's no news. There's no topical um, uh, subjects. No timely subjects. Uh, if we feel like playing, uh, talking about a game from the '80s, that's what we do. Uh, you know. Um, and uh, so anyway, so that's that's the premise. We'll have a lot of different hosts on it. It's not just uh, one of us. It it may be me in mint condition. It may be me and Boom Rocker. It might be just Brent by himself. It might be Wes. What, what are you trying to say? It might be Wes say and people uh, don't like to talk to me. Leo Laporte. <laughs> you know? uh, um, Veronica Belmont. Uh, uh, you know? So hey, anyway, you ever get in touch with Felicia? Uh, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. But uh, she'd <laughs> be good for this show. Felicia? What? <laughs> The only game she plays is WoW, though. And it's hard to wrap up in 15 minutes. But yeah. uh, So anyway, so that's that. Uh, oh, ba- basically, each each game, it's not uh, it's not genre-specific genre or platform-specific. Uh, we will be talking about games on the PC, the Amiga, the Commodore 64, the DS, the PSP. Are you going to do uh, some uh, iPhone uh, stuff yeah, for us? Yeah, an iPhone, a cell phone game, a Flash game, uh, a, uh, a browser game. Game, you know, whatever, any any, any kind of game that involves a computer chip. Furry um, larping? No. <laughs> if there's a game well, of, with furry larping going on, we might just talk about it. Unless they're robotic, um, like NPCs robotic or something. Robotic furry larpers. Yes. There you go. And Eric says I'll be talking about it by myself. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there you go. That is called the Daily Gamer. Du, du, du. Uh, so anyway, all right, on to other stuff. So the big uh, the big section here is reconnaissance. Dun, dun, dun. This is Badwater Basin today, which is our latest payload map, and uh, is currently a. F- I, I I really think it's one of the favorites. Like I still think everyone is as hyped about it as they were when it first came out. Mm-hmm. It's still one of my favorites, definitely. It's got some uh, really interesting choke points. Um, you know that we, we've commented before that uh, Gold Rush is kind of like um, um, Dust Bowl, in that uh, it's uh, divided up and it's in, into very thin, you know, areas of combat, just like Dust Bowl is. And the sale point on Badwater was that it was going to have these big, huge open areas. Now, correct me. There's only two, right? 
there's the one at the beginning and the one at the end. Well, I think it was also yeah. a lot of uh, a lot more having to have high ground and low ground and dealing with being on top of buildings and stuff was really the major thing with this map. Yeah. And that's there's, everywhere. Yeah, and I think that there's I think the thing about uh, Badwell, they talked about the big open spaces and really I mean, yeah, the uh, that last little push to, into the into the bowl, if you will, is uh is technically I guess an open area, but I don't I don't feel like it is. I feel like the only open stretch is really right there at the beginning when you're coming out. Um, I think the mechanic of that opening stretch is is really great. That most of the battle is kind of happening over to the right, but that the actual objective has to go through the tunnel underneath. That's um, that's uh, I think that was really unique and a lot of fun. So. I think I think it's kind of funny that you know you you end up with this force that's kind of pushing forward and they're totally ignoring the objective, but that's what they've got to do in order to get things going. And that happens right. later on in the map too with that with that second level sentry farm spot. You know that's what mm-hmm. you have to deal with. You got to move yep. the cart, but you're not going to do that if you're dealing with what you need to deal with. Right, because like a scout can push the cart by himself as long as you're holding the other end of that tunnel. You know, as long as you've got that area, you can do it. Or, or as long as you're holding the roof and and raining death from the roof, then you're okay to just you know have one or two people pushing the cart. Um, but uh, yeah, but we can, we can get into those specifics later, right, Eric? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> within moments. <laughs> but um, that's hilarious. No, I, I, I agree. Though, Take that, another that, podcaster to, to to mimic your podcasting style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I agree that that Badwater is probably one of the uh, better ones that has come out um, since the original pack. It's um, it's certainly really unique, even amongst uh, sort of custom maps. Um, that uh, it's got such a di- the the mechanics of it the the play mechanics of it are different enough because there are those um, there are the battle areas that are so far separated from the objective areas in several different places. I think that that's a um, a really unique thing. There's a couple of other maps that are like that. Um, I think that there are parts of the Wellish maps that wind up like that, where you're fighting over you know the corridors or the the um, uh, the levels in the middle of uh, of well mm-hmm. between point one and two, or when you're fighting over the uh, right right past point one and two in granary, you know that that little back area. Um, because once you once you push the other team back past their point one, of course you win. So um, I think, but I think this is more exaggerated than any of those others, where the objective is is really separated from the from where the main battle is going to be. Mm-hmm. It actually so. kind of caught when I first started playing it. I would get caught up, and I'd be like, "Where'd the card go?" You know, because mm-hmm. I had no, I had no understanding of where it was going when I first walked out. And I'm like, well, we're fighting here. Where'd, where'd the car go? I, I didn't even know about that little side tunnel over there with the with the tracks through it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do we want to go over some locations from the TF2 wiki? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, these are the names um, that the TF2 wiki has given to the various areas. First off, they have the ridge which is that area in the starting area. They say it's also called the cliffs, which is that big section above where all red rains down death on blue as they come out the doors. Right. Next is the building, and that is the uh, large building where the sentry farm gets built up above um, uh, Waypoint 2. And that's where a lot of engineers, you know, will, will get all their stuff built up. But that's called the building. It's right over the elbow, right? Yes, right over the elbow. <laughs> uh, there is a place called the alley or the back way. And that's that length of um, that long straightaway 
um, getting the, right there where you get to cap point three. And then there is the upper room, which I think is a terrible name for that final sniper deck. Um, oh, that's right above the... Yes. Bomb. Oh, right. Yeah. I would just say sniper deck on that. Is that is that crazy? Well, that? I mean, I think it depends because it's not really the, it's a sniper deck for uh, for blue. It's an attack. It's a good place for snipers for blue to be. Um, but the, a better place for I think red snipers is right outside of their spawn um, on those decks uh, and yeah. for that side because you're going to get the people coming around the corner and you can still cover the people in that room. Plus, right. once you're red, once you get down into that room. You're you're down there for good. The only other way out is either to jump out the windows, taking a little damage or whatever, or to go out pretty much where Blue is going to be uh, massing their forces to come around the corner, which is often not a good idea to do. It, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of a little pantry, so we could just call it the upper pantry. Well, maybe I don't even have the exact spot. Let me, let me read what they say here. They say that uh, Blue Engineers will occasionally forward base here, but the threat of pyros coming up that inner veranda and ending their encampment makes it hard to hold. Maybe they're referring to that space in the back right. Mm. Like then I, think that, I think they are talking about that room... Um, uh, well, yeah, I, I think I think that we are talking about the same thing. I think it's that that room that overlooks the final pit. Yeah. Um, and it is a good place for a blue. If, a, if blue can manage to power build a level three century there, you know, they're going to suppress that at most of that area uh, from red. And so red's going to have a really hard time defending at that point. Yeah. Um, although I think the distance is enough that it it should be easy for soldiers and demos to just, you know, blow that room just make that room a a big ball of death Uh, so so it's really hard to keep anything alive up there pyros or not um Mm -hmm. but that's the other thing is yeah and it's easy for a demo to come up in that back way and just sort of uh you can either do it from the ground or you can come up out of uh red spawn up the first set of stairs there in like you're going to go into the room and then just indirect fire in and pretty much anything in that room is going to die so i don't know it's a it is a it's a good area for staging ambushes but one of the interesting things about it is that if it's easy to defend against so it's kind of like you have to push through that room uh either if you're red or blue from either side you push through that room and you do some stuff and then they start defending it and you have to abandon it and you go away until they stop thinking about it and then you go back again yeah so it's not it's not the, it's not really a good place to to um to be permanent now now that that first area that first room that doesn't have any windows that's not a bad spot for a blue forward base yeah. Because you can get a couple teleporters up there and some dispensers for uh, for reloading and, and for healing up and things like that. Uh, you put a level three in there to protect it against red coming in over the uh, over the wall over the railing. That's not a bad spot because uh, it's protected from direct fire. I do think that sent that uh, that forward a forward teleporter position the better one is in that far back right coming from red spawn. You know where you go over into that back corner where the chain link fence is. Yeah. I think yeah. over there is much easier to defend and it's a much better spawn point because it gives people multiple directions to go once they mean for blue or red? for blue. Yeah. Yes. Um, because it gives people multiple directions to go. They can either go back and come to the top of the ramp. They can go around that, that deck or they can even go up levels up into those other rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's the um, we're kind of doing this backwards. We're kind of going like for final. We're kind of talking about the final attack. Um, but one of the one of the things about the final attack is it, it goes one of two ways. It's either a steamroll and you send a couple of pyros up to hold. You basically you kill them all. You send a couple of pyros to hold the spawn doors and everybody else pushes the cart in. Um, or 
it is a battle of inches and it's you you make one you take you take one point and you hold the corner and then you take the next point and you get that back room and you take the next and you're able to hold that first deck you know and then you, you take the next and then finally maybe you can just keep pushing the cart little by little and finally it'll get in but if you haven't if you can't rush it down the the chances of you picking up momentum again after it gets dropped after that ra- last corner are very slim. <laughs> I, I so. and and the sentry positions that Red has on on the final run are really tough. Yes. I mean they're 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 you know pretty much Uber or die kind of things. Do you mm-hmm. agree with me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no way to kill those sentries logically without an Uber involved. I think I think they're very susceptible to spies though. Because they are kind of more open areas, and spies can work a little better. And they're also in that one's in the dark, which means yeah. the sniper. I mean, the spy can un, can you know decloak, kill the engineer, sap everything, and other people a lot of times won't even notice. Yeah, I've actually right. found there's a like real small closet. Like, is there coming down the ramp across from it that's really good uncloaking room? Because you can uncloak and even and no, usually there's nobody in there. Every once in a while, you'll get that third engineer that starts setting up there. But, uh, we usually makes, call the, we usually call that the nook. <laughs> <laughs> but it's outside, isn't it? It's a so cranny. It be a cranny? Totally yeah. cranny. Yeah, that's a total cranny. <laughs> oh man, bringing in the in jokes. <laughs> now, uh, do we want to talk about this a little bit of strategy, point by point? Yeah, that works for me. Okay, so starting that's what we're here for. Starting with uh, <laughs> starting with point one. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, as the attacker, like how how much force do you think you should put on the cart? How much do you think you should drive up the hill? And how much do you think you should send up the left to take out the stuff via the ledges? Hmm. I, I think cart here is almost an afterthought to me. Yeah. I, I personally, I like going up left. Like always, I always like going up left. Well, you're a soldier. Uh, well, a soldier, you know, pyro or even a spy, it's a good way to go just to kind of get out of the main direct fire towards the doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I love the left. The right to me is just an alley of death. And the it middle is. kind of is, too. I, I, I usually will be playing... Um, uh, demo or medic, and I'll usually either run out and get next to the cart so that I can heal the um, heavies that are coming out the door, and I'll hide behind the cart. I'll crouch and hide behind the cart, or I will um, just try to lob as much stuff up the hill as possible with my demo. I like going up the side with pyro every time. The left side or the, yeah, or the straight left ahead? Side. The left side. Okay. Um, I think the one big advantage you gain on the left side is you actually get high ground once you get to the top. Uh, Every other way, you're still either low ground or mid ground, but up there, you are above everyone. Well, I think um, there's there's a couple of options here, uh, depending on how the, the opposing team is set up. One of the things that I really like from both sides, both as an attacker or as a defender, so red or blue, is, um, is jumping over those rocks, uh, like waiting four or five seconds until the battle really gets rolling and then jumping over the rocks and pelting whoever you see um so i think that's a that's a useful attack strategy because there's you know nothing that's going to ruin your day rather than getting uh, crit rockets rained down on you from the top (laughs) but um and that can that can really do some do some you know disrupt some plans um especially if you set it up i've noticed uh, a lot lately people are starting to figure out how to use the uh the uh crit super uh, and you do that. You couple that a surprise soldier attack with uh, a crit after he gets the the really high ground. 
and um, you can't react fast enough. So all those Ubers that have been building up that the medics are waiting to fire, they get taken out because the first to- first target for a soldier with a crit Uber should be the medics, and uh, and they they go away. And that's a that's a game breaker. I mean, that really is going to change your entire offensive strategy. If suddenly you lose the two Ubers that you've been building for pushes, um, now you've got to find other ways to deal with the guns. The thing I like about that front um, that those front rocks is if depending on where the the uh, guns are set up, yes, they're going to cover that battlefield, but they're all also exposed to indirect fire from uh, from demos. So you've got to not only defend the guns from spies and uh, soldiers coming around and uber pyros, you've also got to keep that battle pushing forward so that you can keep those demos down. Um, so otherwise, they're just going to you know shell your guns into oblivion. I'll confirm but, your uh, I'll confirm your Kritzkrieg thing. By the way, I know that when I'm coming out of a starting room as a medic, I look for two things. I look for me taking damage or my opponent taking damage, and I won't pop my Uber until one of those two events happens. So if you can crit Uber us, I mean you can you can crit kill us with a with a rocket, then I mean you're gonna make me die with an Uber in tow. Yeah, I mean, and that's it. It's it's almost as good as a, a as getting a spy backstab because it it just it goes away. Like you said, good medics will wait and they'll hold it as long as they can. Um, but if you get from a and from the top, I mean, and if a medic sees a crit rocket coming in, yeah, he's going to fire it. But if that rocket is coming down, almost straight down, the medics aren't looking up there. They're looking for other threats. Right. So um, that's going to be a, that's going to be really dangerous. Um, so I like I also like going left, um, but sometimes I will run without the as a, as a scout opening up on uh, Badwater, I'll run as a scout through that tunnel and see if I can get up and around behind to see if I can take out medics. Uh, it's also ha- as a spy how I will – I shouldn't say this because I'll never be able to do it again. Mm-hmm. As a spy, that's the route I take. I go out left and I kind of try and get through the tunnel um, and then decloak and run up behind whatever else for two reasons. One, to scout, to be able to call out sniper positions, to be able to call out if there's going to be a surprise soldier attack, and to be able to tell where the guns are. Uh, a lot of times on that first run, I won't even actually kill anything. I'll just be trying to find out where everything is. Um, oh, nice. And then, uh, and, and then, and then, cause, because once you start attacking, you've given yourself away. So, um, so I think the first, the first goal of any spy on uh, the first thing a spy should be trying to do is to tell his teammates where everything is, and then to be taking out some of the, you know, taking out the Ubers that might counter or whatever else. Um, that, that's also making yeah, one big yeah. supposition, though, that, that you actually have a spy that talks on your team. Because I, I don't see those much. I don't think so. I don't. I think spies. That's kind of one of their abilities. If they're like playing, they're not supposed to talk or something. Well, that's that's why we keep mixing it up for them by putting all talk on. Nothing ruins a spy's day more than being called out because they see the speech bubble with all talk on. Uh. How did you see me? All talks on. Oh, God. <laughs> but I, I have to say that's one of the first times I've really heard. I, I've never. How often would you say? I mean, I imagine in clan matches it's bigger. But how often do you think, as a spy, you spend your time doing recon more than trying to backstab? Um, I think it depends on the team. Yeah. I think if I know that the team is going to use the information I give them, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if if I've tried it a couple of times and they're not doing anything. Well, then I then I probably rage quit. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you but, fit uh, right in around here. <laughs> <laughs> no, the um, um, I you know if they're going to take it, then they're going to take it. If they're not, you know, well, what else? What else can I do? I'll I'll start hunting medics at that point. So, 
be very, very quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, Defending point one. Okay. I love, this is what I love. I love coming in, uh, which one is it? I guess going towards the left before anything's opened and get between those two doors on the left. Like if you're looking at it Mm -hmm. Uh, and then coming in and shooting cross through them. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Like you can get through the tunnel and actually get to the respawn area. Yeah. Um, but is that's uh, is a pyro I like coming in between the two on the right and seeing if I can catch them not looking. And then you can really burn some people waiting to go out right. the right side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I mean, we already talked about the the crit over the crit Uber opening. Um, I think that that's almost always useful. I think in a lot of maps, I think a crit a crit soldier is a good way to open because the other thing you can do is you can just fire into their spawn. You can and if you time it right, you can actually have that first crit landing right as the gates open. You're, you're uh, making me want to want to uh, get my crit screen. I, I don't have it yet. Oh, I, I, I need to get it. It, get it. it actually, it, and when it first I came out, it. everybody tried it and it was like, okay, fine, whatever. And then it faded out for a little while. Um, but I've seen. On CP especially, and and uh, on F occasionally recently, um, some people that really know how to make it work, and the, some of the strategies with it are fantastic. And this is coming. Remember, this is coming from anti crit guy. All right. <laughs> remember all the all the conversations we've had about how much I hate crits. I love the crits Krieg as a game mechanic because right. there's no. Because it isn't a, it isn't random chance. Right. You're not going to walk around, you know the you're not going to walk around the corner and somebody's going to kill you. Oh, because they got lucky. It was it was planned. It was timed. It took skill to execute it. And really, honestly, in many cases, a crit Uber is the worst is is the worser choice. That's wrong, but it's not is yeah. You know what I'm saying. It's not the it's not between the two. That's not the one that you want. You want the regular Uber. But in the hands of a skilled medic with a skilled target, that's the other thing. Is both of them have to know what they're doing. Um, it's devastating. I've seen, it, how, I've seen, I've seen half of a team or, or three quarters of a team get taken out by one successful, uh, either crit heavy or crit soldier run. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is the real luck uh, involved there instead of the crits? Is uh, if you accidentally get me when you do the crit Uber, I'll go. Damn, I thought it was an Uber, and now I'm running into the middle of these people, and <laughs> yeah. you know I'm not doing much good because uh, I didn't fire at the right things. Yeah. How? Sure. Uh, and I, this is just a question because I haven't played with Crits Creek. Um, for big open areas like this, how useful is the Crits Creek with a heavy in long distances? Like, have you ever just tried to wipe out like half a team with a Crits Creek and a heavy in a big open area? It's not going to be quite as it's not going to be quite as devastating as uh, a crit heavy in a in a confined space where people can't get away, uh, but you are likely to catch a couple people unaware because if you see think about it you're across a big open area say um, on the other side of uh, Dust Bowl stage you're you're at the end of the the hallway uh, on that final push on Dust Bowl three and the heavy is standing back on the point and he's firing at you are you really that worried about him? No, because you know you might get hit once or twice with a couple of his bullets, right? right. But if that if he goes cr- uh, if he goes crit at that point, four or five of those shots are going to take you down. I mean, it's, it's going to really do some damage to you, and so um, it's surprising. The crit is really about the only reason a heavy might be dangerous, say to a sniper, um, mm-hmm. because he can do so much more damage at 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 a long range. Um, but in a in a confined area or in an area where there where you have to be closer, I'm thinking particularly of up on the roof 
and looking down, um, a crit a crit heavy could be could be useful. I yeah. would prefer over in a larger area. I would usually want to look for a soldier to crit, and uh, and and rarely a pyro. Whereas I like a pyro as a regular uber target. A pyro is almost always the wrong choice for a crit's creek. Hmm. No, so, no, because they die. They die so easily. Yeah, right. really. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. for them to get the damage, they're going to have to get in, and once they're in, they're going to be. Mutilated. Yeah. See, yeah. I almost think a heavy might be good at that, except for they're so slow. The thing yeah. that I find would be hard about the soldier is it seems like you really have, you know, four rockets or, you know, a few more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest. But if you can catch, if you can catch them all in a, in a tight group, one rocket will kill three of them. Right. Yeah. And that's the key. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking one more point of where a crit heavy would be great. Let's say that they've just managed to push the cart into the tunnel, and there's five or six of them on it, and they're primarily looking at the far end of the tunnel. If you can sneak a crit, uh, a, a crit's Krieg medic and a heavy, and drop down behind them in the tunnel, you can oh. wipe them all. <laughs> yeah, you that would be sweep nasty. The cart, and they would all die. What about be- also another good place uh, for a crit crit heavy might be at the uh, cement barricades right out after right right there at point two mm-hmm. if you could have the medic around the corner and then the team comes around to push the cart around the corner and the heavy at that at that cement bunker can shoot over it and just mutilate the team that might be a good place also well the, the crit is a the crit is a surprise weapon i mean the crit's creek is a surprise weapon it's a because if you're prepared for it, it it's not going to do you. It's not going to do that much damage. You're going to spread out. You're going to maybe lose one or two people. Okay, fine. The where the crit becomes devastating is when you get surprised by it. When you're not ready for it, you've got five or six people all together, say on the cart, and uh, and suddenly out of nowhere or out of some place that you didn't expect, suddenly a crit heavy or a crit uh, anything really shows up. It's it's devastating. It really really is. I've seen I've seen. Four or five people get taken out by a crit NG. I mean, it, it had to, you know, <laughs> well, this is the only thing left. The, the medic fired it because that was all there was to it, and he was running around with his shotgun and took mm. out like four people. Awesome. Okay, fine. That reminds me. Last night I was playing and I, I was running around and and uh, I had a heavy and I was healing him and I had my Uber ready and we were going to bust through the lines and all of a sudden the whole team ran around the corner and I went to pop the Uber and the heavy had already died. And and I was all by myself in the middle of the whole opposing team, and all I did was run with them to the front lines, Ubered up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we've talked about point one a little bit. Um, point two is the sneaky one, I think. Uh, point two is the one that has the building and the need to really build a sentry farm up there and keep it well defended. Um. I, I, I've seen people build as many as three and four sentries up there defending that area um, and then leaving, you know, using the altitude up there to take care of the point as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a definite one. You need that building. If you don't have that building, I don't think you're going to get through there too easily. I mean, even if even if if you don't have it as the defense and the offense can get a sentry up there, you can't defend the point. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, there's no way because it's it's in range of the point. I mean, it's it can cover everything there, and you can't get past it to run a forward defense. And, and we've talked about forward defenses before, but you if you can't push, um, you'll you'll never push the cart any farther back than you can push them. You know, and uh, and that's that's all there is to it. You can you can be you can hold them at that point. You could hold them say at the covered bridge area, mm-hmm. but uh, if you can't uh, if you can't if, if you lose that roof. 
that's all there is to it. You're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna be able to get back to them. So so you're gonna need to take in a and the other thing is you can't even approach it as the defense as red. There's no back way to get to it. Uh, yep. You've got to run through its field of fire and then go up on the roof and then take it out. So and any you can't even Uber in from uh, its range, run past it. You have to Uber again. Your Uber is going to be gone. You can't take a single Uber in. Um, if a, if you can get a level, if a offense can get a level three on that roof, the point two is as good as taken. How important do you think it is to set up a um, a century before point one's even taken there? I think it's. I think it is. First of all, I think it's going to be tough. I think uh, at the the point you mean for defense or defense, you, you mean for yes. Oh, uh, um, uh, certainly certainly being ready to fall back to that. I think that the if you've got two NGs on your team, uh, when the when you've the the two natural points at point one to put your uh, to put your guns are in that little uh, what looks like a little train station, yeah, uh, just on the outside of the tunnel, and then up on the flat areas. That the gun that's on the flat areas is going to go down first. When that NG's gun goes down, and the flat areas are taken, I think that's the point when you start defending that roof. Right. You put your level three up there, and then the second NG, when his stuff goes down, then he falls back to to help out, uh, and put, either put a, either put a second gun up on the roof, or the other place I like it is down um, in the in Red's stairway to the roof. Sort of like um, as you as you're coming up from Red, as you're coming from yeah. Red's spawn. Uh, there's the door that you enter that's right in front of you that you then go up the stairs and come up the back of the roof. Yeah. If you put a gun right there facing out at the point, um, then now you've got two guns, although there's nothing – there's no, not a second gun protecting the, the one on the roof. I don't know. It's kind of a trade-off. I think it's pretty important to have multiple guns on the roof because you're, get, you're, you're going to be dealing with – you're going to have a spy problem. Yeah. And if you only have one NG up there taking care of that stuff – this, all the spies got to do is take out the NG, and 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 game's over for the for the. You roof. know, you know what's important, and and it, it again, it's it's um it's checking the other team. If you've got one or more really good demos on your attacking team, then you want to try and spread your guns out, like almost to the point where one Uber demo can't get them both, because you know four four grenades and and a gun goes down. Um, if the guns are close enough that the demo can uh, can do both guns in one run. Then that's it. But you're going to have to have a talented demo uh, in order to be able to do that. I like the idea of being able to protect it. But rather than putting a second gun up there, I like a heavy medic. Um, I like to put a heavy medic up there that can yeah. cover the gun, shoots everybody that comes up on the uh, on the roof, whether they be friend or foe, and can use that as a um, uh, basically counter Uber. If that gun does get taken down, they can hopefully be using that counter Uber to stay there, and then they can be the century, for lack of a better word, for until the gun gets rebuilt. Yeah, dispenser heavies are good too. Great place for dispenser heavies. That's like another uh, place you always have to remember is behind that area. It, it's so open. There's three entrances, you know, to that area that, it, you know, you can't. It's hard to cover them all. So you, you really need to cover that backside too, just for for that sort of thing, or you will get taken out real fast. And that's a great place for an attacking demo to attack from, because a lot of times people forget that that whole courtyard is back there. They just won't even think about it. If you know where you're, if you can can do indirect fire, you can lob your stickies in and to get the gun down before they even know you're there. 
And that's kind of one of those places. I, I, it's you know there are a few places that you can talk about stuff all day long, but you won't get a full grasp on it. I really recommend when you first start playing Badwater Basin, go and explore this building and find all the ways onto it and all the different paths up. And if you encounter resistance on one of the paths up to the top, then take a different path. Um, because that they'll probably stay where they are if they're successful at defending that entrance. They probably will stay there more, rather than move on to other ones, and you need to definitely change your tactic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else about point two? We didn't really talk about sniper spots, um, oh, yeah. but uh, as, a, as a sniper, as a defending sniper, as a red sniper, blue sniper, move around. Wherever you're going to be, um, don't stay in any one position for too long. Same sort of goes for red, but unfortunately, you're going to be limited by, by the geography. There's a, a little um, a stairway up to what will eventually be uh, blue's forward spawn, like right in front of point two. And you can kind of get around it to the side, and there's a health pack there. That's a pretty good spot to be. Also, again, just a little bit to the left of that, as you're looking at that, that gives you a good view of the um, uh, of the the track as it's coming up. And you can also counter snipe uh, any of the blue snipers who will probably be in the open area from stage one. Yeah, um, they hang out on those rocks up there. Yeah, and uh, and it becomes a, it becomes a, a twitch fest. It becomes a who shoots first. Um, a lot of times, what I like to do is I like to kind of hang off the the um, uh, being a sniper for a while, and then wait until they get complacent and they're not moving around very much. Wait for them to want to go after you know try and cherry pick the heavies or the medics, and then I'll pop them. Good plan. Like <laughs> You're the so, only one here with black blood, so we have to let you yeah. talk about all the sniper stuff. Yeah. Hey, I'm a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> medic too. It's not my fault. <laughs> okay. Um, point three. Point three. Point three. We have gotten to a long straightaway, and this usually is just a pretty straightforward battle. I, I can't. There's really not a whole lot there. There's a sentry point to the top left. Correct. Uh, I see a lot down left. Centuries can go a lot of different places here, and that's one of the reason. The only reason why this is tough on on blue um, is because it's the it's the one your your forward spawn hasn't opened up yet, and it's really far. It's just a, a long walk for heavies and soldiers to get up there and push. Other than that, it's a fairly straightforward assault um, by blue. There are the only thing to mix it up for red is that there are so many different places you can put centuries. You can put them right down at the bottom of that ramp as you're coming down. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can put them up on the um, up on the over on the covered bridges, uh, either facing forward or the really evil ones are the ones that face back, so yeah. that think you're safe. You get the cart underneath, and all of a sudden you're you know got a century raining death on you from above you can be on the uh balcony of that as you go as you're blue and you're walking under the covered bridge there's the building off to your uh left there's like a little uh balcony yeah off to your left and that's another area that and again these are all places where you can't really get direct fire up to them until you're in their until you're in their range so uh, i find usually though that at this point in time once the cart reaches here the ng's focus on making sure they're fully defending the final point though i usually don't see that much sentry defense around here 
it, it depends on your team. I think that you'll get a couple of them. But I think that what often happens is when point two falls, point three falls very, very quickly because there's not a whole lot of uh, recovery time. Because just like it's very far, uh, it's it's a it's a great distance for blue to run. Um, red's spawn becomes quite distant at this point as well. So there's uh, there's not a lot of time to get NG stuff built. So what you'll often find is that the NGs will f- sort of fall back if they haven't already pre-placed. Um, when when two falls, there's not going to be a whole lot of century stuff on three. This just seems like I, I don't know. I, I must have different battles than you guys because uh, this seems to be one of the places that if there's a, an end to the map, this is it. For some reason, it, it it I've seen teams just cannot get through that area because of sentries down on the left, and you know, like you said, it's, you don't spawn right there, so it's a long run and. If if they have a good job of keeping your your forward uh, teleporters down, you just get slogged down. It's just like, you know, maybe in team play it's completely different, but just playing on the pugs and stuff, it just seems like this is one of the places where you get bogged down and just cannot win. I I don't think I've ever seen the cart get stopped on the third point. I maybe I'm thinking of a different point because I see it stopped there all the time, all the all the time. Hmm. I thought so too. I think this would be good teleporter fodder. Like if you have an engineer, but see again, the, the main problem is you know the engineer is mainly going to be focusing on defending point two, and being able to get a teleporter to a good defensible point in point three fast enough. You know, I don't know. It just doesn't seem logical to mm-hmm. me. If I were an NG and I had just lost point two, my first instinct is going to be to, to defend point four or that hallway before the bend to get to point four. Yeah, and that's a good spot to set up. I think that that because, like I say, it depends on how fast the card is moving. If your team is able to give you some support and to hold them at the top of that ramp, then setting up a, a setting up sentries up there might make sense. Uh, otherwise. You're going to have to fall back. Otherwise, you're going to have a, a level one and they're going to be attacking you, you yeah. know? Yeah. So. Maybe it's more the fights. And someone actually brought up a good point in the chat that more of it's that something else stops you that gives them time to build, like demos and, and things like that, raining down death and keeping you back long enough to get sentries and stuff up there. But all I know is I've been stopped there so many times, so many times just trying to get the cart down that damn ramp. <laughs> Um, one of the things, and this is a good spot, a good time for me to bring it up, and Ivy likes to talk about this all the time, um, is that the the key is for NGs is working together. And if if you guys get if your stuff gets blown up, um, power build because two NGs can put a level three up before you can blink. Really, a lot faster than you would expect. So suddenly, you know, you just blow up two sentry guns. You come around a corner. You know, see, it seems like just a second or two later, and hey, they've got another one up already. Um, so a lot of times, if NG's, NG's working in pairs, or even if there are three of them, uh, three of them can put a, a level three up. You know, in no time at all. So it, even if you're not quite ready at the beginning, if you've got some demos and you can hold them back, maybe a heavy that's going to hold them at the top of that ramp, you do have time to defend that initial. You know, before that bend, um, and even just one gun there is going to give your other NGs a time to set up at the top of the ramp um, before the final bolt. Now, we'd just like to point out that the uh, the demo tip information was from Ryan before he sends me some hate mail. <laughs> Ryan in the chat room. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to mention something he said a, a couple of minutes ago that I was waiting for a good spot on, and that's that because of, at this stage, I think this is where spies can be really annoying, um, because this is the point where everybody's walking. 
um, the hopefully Red has been smart enough to set some really good uh, teleporter placements at this point. But if they haven't, all of Red are walking all the way back to the back hallway, and all of Blue are going to have to walk all the way up to the back hallway. And those long walks are, you know, murder. You you know, you get a cl- uh, spy that uncloaks behind you and takes out, you know, your medic heavy and maybe a couple soldiers before he finally gets pyroed to death. I've, I've actually, talking about the combo NG thing, I've actually been, when I run out of my base lately as an NG at first spawn, my goal is just to follow the other NG, and as soon as they throw it in their sentry, I just take all my metal and throw it into that real quick. Um, but it's been really funny because other people don't really know that I'm doing that, so they'll go and they'll like dilly-dally, and you know, and I'll be following them around, and I'll be like, come on, come on, build something, and I'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got their back. Nice. I like that. NG's in pairs on this map. It's probably a good thing. Oh, yeah. So we ready to move on to point four? Yes, sir. The death hole. Yes. And the death balcony and the death shack <laughs> and the death window and the death cubbies. Death hole. Yeah. Death hole. Hole death. death. The death crannies. Um, <laughs> the obvious sentry placements here are in the two uh, perpendicular um, areas on the side of the death hole um, and uh, having uh, dispensers down there so that the heavies who are defending the ramp from the bottom uh, can go and reload quickly is important stuff mm-hmm. right defending defending this is is a matter of um, uh, making it that battle of inches and just making sure that you win the battle of inches to keep them back and in order to do that you're going to need to have I think multiple medics are given multiple NGs are given and you're going to have to keep throwing uber pyros and uh, uh, uber heavies right around that corner as often as you can and you're going to have to have spies you know hunting for medics keeping them paranoid and, and jumping out of their skin every time they turn around snipers making sure that they can't stick their head out without getting it shot off i think this is a matter for defending it of just being as absolutely annoying as possible to the other team <laughs> yeah just, it works seriously, it works it's it just, just annoying them and hassling them and never giving them a minute to breathe because i if if blue gets set up if blue gets even sometimes if, if blue even gets a single uber can make the difference you get one uber that gets in there and can take out uh, the guns you have to have guns on both sides of the cart because if you don't, you can get a even just a single scout can get in there and have um, can hide behind the cart from the sentry and can move that gun, you know, a couple of feet at a time into the final, you know, into into the uh, uh, to the final checkpoint. Um, so, but if if Blue is allowed to build two Ubers uncontested, the game is over. Really, that's that's the end of it because you get both of those guns down, and while the people are trying to worry about the Uber pyros or the Uber soldiers or whatever else that's running around, everybody else on blue should be on the cart pushing the cart. And even if a couple of them get killed, um, that cart's going to move all the way to the point. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's maps like this where I don't understand why like people can't take the time to do those ubers it's like they've got to throw themselves at the defense over and over again until you get down to that last two minutes they're like okay let's get serious now and i'm like you know we could have gotten serious like four or five times this whole time and taking this out dust bowl stage two like that drives me crazy on pubs every single time it's like oh we've got two minutes left let's coordinate ubers yeah after you just went through 15 minutes and you're like jeez i'm gonna throw myself into the uh, lion's den as a scout over and over again just because i can (laughs) (laughs) 
So I, I also like getting control of, of the upstairs on this one. The upstairs right. Because uh, you can really rain death down on people. You can use it as a place for spies jumping out. And and uh, uh, you really have to look above you, though. And spies seem to like coming out of here, too. So it's a good place to kind of keep all that down. The thing that one of the things that I like is yes from those uh, windows, but everybody's looking in those windows. Um, if you can get a demo up to jump up, or even a soldier to jump, but a demo is better up onto that second uh, balcony, that railing area, and then get down by red spawn to that door by red spawn, you will actually be able to get to both of the um, to both of the guns because you can't get the gun that's under you from the windows there um, unless they've been stupid and placed it a little bit too close to the windows or uh-huh. like out a little bit like oh I'm going to shoot up the ramp if you're an NG don't shoot up the ramp your goal of that gun is to push people off the cart if they get that far mm-hmm. um, because it, anything else is going to get taken out but if you get around and out those stairs then you absolutely can get down to and you know fire a couple down to that uh, that gun underneath of the windows and the one that's across the way and you're fairly safe until you get spotted and then you have trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And again, I think a, a boot, blue base in that far back right is is totally and completely worthy. Um, saves you a nice long run and gives you multiple paths down. Um, I I think that you know we talked about that that sniper room that top window a little bit. Um, it, it can be critical. But it's also, you know, it's it's Red's job to clean that room out periodically and make sure that nothing strong gets set up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, throwing, an, throwing an Uber Pyro in there, uh, through there, is also a great idea. Because yes. you can, um, you, again, this is that idea of, of your goal here isn't so much to push Blue back. It's to annoy them so much that they rage quit before they win. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 sending an Uber basically sending an Uber Pyro out that door they're not most of the time they're not going to be expecting it. Um if you can manage to get one up and around and have it come out the the bottom um that's another one but they're kind of looking in that direction and oftentimes Blue's attention is focused so much on that ramp and on that open area that the medics are playing really close to the to the corner, trying to keep the heavies healed and trying to keep the soldiers and demos healed as they go around to try and shell the guns. Um, they're so close up there, especially if you get an Ubered backburner pyro up there, you can take out um, you know as many medics as they've got before they can get those Ubers. Yeah, and, and it's like on offense, uh, soldier or pyro. I like jumping over the rails, like from the backside and getting in there or even you know rocket jumping up to that room and coming down uh the spiral stairs in the back and, and coming out those ways just because they're kind of more unexpected than coming down the ramp i like okay so uh that's pretty much it on point four i mean it's just a big death slog it out and uh figure out how to kill <laughs> them before you know they keep you dead yep. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, for the for the final push, uh, same thing on any other final push. I would really, I, I really like, um, uh, I really like Uber Pyros for final pushes. I don't know why it's just something that always works for me. But you get those Uber Pyros, and uh, one of the things that I really like to do is after the Pyro is done. Uh, cleaning up the area that he was responsible for going after, mm-hmm. that the pyro heads to the spawn doors. 
and stands there while everybody else makes the final push, whether it be on Dust Bowl trying to make the cap or it's on uh, on uh, Badwater or Gold Rush trying to push the cart into the final position. Mm-hmm. I think that this is one opportunity where even as much as spawn camping is kind of obnoxious, this is one place where it makes sense. The goal is to give the people coming out of the spawn, even if they kill the pyro, the point is it slows them down. And your goal is just to keep them back away from that final point. Otherwise, they're going to come out like we've talked about before. They're going to come out all at once, and you're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well that was incredibly detailed. Yes. <laughs> Wait, one, oh, I'm sorry. One, one more little thing that no, not enough people do mm-hmm. um, is a sneaky spot for teleporters. Is if Red can get a teleporter behind some of those cartons in the courtyard behind the building, behind the roof, and then forget about them or at least not use them right away, um, as blue then progresses past point two to point three in that long straight hallway, suddenly you can pop up at them from behind. It's one of those places. It's like the um, uh, the window, the loading dock on Dust Bowl phase, uh, Stage 3, the first cap point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing is, people don't know to look back there yet. Mm. Everybody, when you go through Dust Bowl, everybody says, somebody check the window, somebody check the loading dock, and you send a soldier up there, and he blows up the teleporters, and that's all there is to it. But people <laughs> haven't yet figured out on Badwater that, hey, there are some sneaky spots to put teleporters. Yeah. So uh, you can probably get away with that for a few more weeks yet, except on CP servers, because <laughs> we, just, we, just, we just outed it. Yeah. Good tip. I like that. Good tip of Rooney. So wow. now that was Badwater, and we can go out of the recon into... Listener contributions. Listener contributions. Listener contributions. Listener contributions. Dun, dun. There you go. <laughs> Mitt came in at the last moment. All right. Listener contributions. This week, we have lots and lots of contributions, but I think we spent so much time on our good map, uh, Badwater Basin, that um, this would be like a three-hour episode. So I think maybe um, what would be wise is if we uh, took all of these questions for episode 51. Yeah, because there's some great questions in here. Oh, yeah, so we'll save these for 51. <laughs> there's some doozies. And, uh, and, and keep these coming, because if we get enough, we'll just fill episode 51 with just a huge mass amount of of uh, Q&A, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah, it'll be the um, 51 uh, listener episode. And so if you have anything else you've been <laughs> thinking about doing for an episode, do it this week and get it to us so we can get it in for 51. Yeah. Uh, we'll just do one listener contribution because we don't have much time left. So we'll do this one. Evil Lemon in the forums uh, and CP community has changed his name. Uh, originally, he was uh, his name was Jack Crotty. Crotty. And he doesn't like that name. He, he didn't like it at all and, and wanted to change it. So he changed his name to James Freeman. Mr. Freeman. And uh, apparently he didn't like the word Gordon. He didn't like that name. So so he didn't want to go with Gordon Crotty? No. But I'm, I think Crotty is interesting. Gordon Crotty. That would Crotty. be a terrible name. <laughs> you know, uh, that word is um, in a uh, Tenacious D song. Karate? With karate, I'll kick your ass. <laughs> karate? Karate! From here, over to there, yeah. Oh, yeah, you mother... Uh. Well, okay, moving on, moving on. I'm going to kick it. There, yeah. Let's, uh, let's do Ifrit's question of the week. All right. ACP Ifrit here with my question this week. I would like to know what, for you, makes a bad map. See ya. What makes a bad map? Um, what makes a bad map? Unbeatable sniper positions. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, Cy- cyberpunk? Cyberpunk, yeah. yeah. Flashy lights, terrible well, music, a, and bad yeah, CP hosts. No objective. Epilepsy and inducing uh, motion. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is is what you're saying. No objective. No, it, when it's too confusing, when you get in there and you don't know what to do, there's some maps with great concepts that just fail at that point. It's a death yeah. match from then on out. I say uh, elevators, elevators, and lots of water kill a map for me. Hmm. I don't. I, I don't I, know. I still don't mind elevators. I, I you know, yeah. I yes, you die from them, and that sucks, and it's annoying. And if there's one or two, it's okay. But yeah. I think they provide. I, I wish they would fix the code rather than you know. Yeah, than the yeah. the concept of an elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It, one of the things that uh, unbalance is the thing that bothers me the most when it's when it's pretty clear that um, uh, uh, and, and I mean that in two ways, both in terms of, you know, one side's always going to win because of of whatever thing. Um, I have issues with Gold Rush because I think that it's a little too easy to defend in places, um, but uh, not quite not as bad as there. So there are some uh, what was it November, I guess it was where the, the um, it's a custom map and it was a port from something else. But anyway, it's just. It's just really unbalanced. One side, it, uh, all things being equal, one side will always beat the other. But also in terms of, of like on the uh, the linear CP maps like Well or Granary, um, it it bothers me when you get a custom that's built the same way that uh, that it's too easy. Once you get the center point, it's over. You know, at least the, with the other ones, at least a well balanced side of them, you can come back from it. Uh, some of them, you know, once you get that first win, you're done. Just go home. You might as well just quit. Maps mm-hmm. without forward spawn make me mad too. Oh my gosh! Like if yeah, you have I'm to gonna, run the whole time, it's just not worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was good. Uh, so we got uh, some. Uh, uh, do we want to talk about the uh, thread that we were talking about? Oh yeah. Do you want me to bring it up, or do you want to bring yeah, it up? Yeah, you go for it. <laughs> okay. So um, anybody who's been on the forums, uh, and we'll have a link, uh, I guess, in the show notes, has mm-hmm. seen the thread about the uh, the heart, the little heart symbol that you may have seen on, on a couple of people's tags. And it, it really – it doesn't – it's hard to say. It is not a fully fleshed out idea, but the reason that I wanted to, and we're not, we weren't even going to post about it yet, uh, because we hadn't, you know, completely solidified in our own minds what we meant by it. Um, we just put it out there, and the problem was that uh, some people had seemed to think that it was, oh, regular CP members or old time um, CP members or some sort of an elitist group, but it was a secret club of only people in the know. And I really, it's completely the opposite of that. It's it's 180 degrees from that. It, what it really is all has all been about, and go go ahead and read the the thread. What it's always been about for us, at least, um, and, and us is mostly people who have been around for a while. But you know, ASJS and and Uber Alliance guys, and and some of the people from the very first squads that were formed, and people who have just been playing on CP for a while. Really, what it's about is just what we call you know positive gaming. This idea of playing the game and playing with your friends um, on the servers in a way that makes everybody have fun and um, just not being a jerk because a lot of times <laughs> that's what happens is you get out, especially on, on uh, public servers, people come in and they're just like, you know, their 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 language is foul and their manners are terrible and their sportsmanship leaves a lot to be desired and they're just no fun. You just want to go, all right, go away. I don't want to play with you anymore. You know, and the so the idea is- you know what the worst part about jerks is? They usually yeah. don't realize they're jerks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and one of the things that was great about CP, and, and this still happens, is that it 
the peer pressure keeps that to a minimum. You'll get people on the team that'll be like, you know, dude, back off. Just relax. Calm down. Play the game. Stop whining. Let's have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of the things that we really liked about CP and that we wanted to kind of um, expand that and, and really say, okay, that's what this is. That's what that spirit is, this idea of everybody having fun and just kind of using not admin, not like mod abuse in order to kick people um, unless that's the absolute last thing that, that has to happen. But just everybody being mature and having fun and, and enjoying themselves together. So that's what the heart was all about. It was never intended to be a, uh, hey, look at us. We're better and more secretive and more in the know than you guys. Um, <laughs> so anybody is is welcome. Any, and there's a thread and, and there's kind of like a what what it is and what it isn't. Um, there are a couple of threads like that. So, And so we'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's another episode Yes. Yeah. I just had one more comment about the heart thing, though. Okay. I know you want to take us out of here. Yes. Um, But, uh, you know, we we even got accused of that back at the beginning. You know, we were elitist. We always talked about the same people. We invited the same people to do stuff. And again, if the, 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 best way to make yourself a name in the CP community and be considered part of what's going on is to play, to play well, to make contributions to the community and not be a negative influence. Yeah. Hmm. Awesome. And so in that same vein, we've got the player of the week, which is Evil Lemon. And why is that? Anybody want to throw that out real quick? Because he legally changed his name to (laughs) Mr. Freeman. That's awesome. And we'd also like to uh, send a shout out to all the people doing the episode graphics. We love them. Keep keep it up. And remember, your name does not have to be bigger than uh, the show episode name. Uh, Risu had a birthday last week. Congratulations, Risu. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy Okay, no more time. If Fritz is having a birthday tomorrow, happy birthday to you. Happy Okay, great. <laughs> Outage Pimpage, uh, call us at 256-513-4772, and you know the rest, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. And stick around at the end of the show, and you will hear a song by Joe Horan called Dispenser Erection. You'll love it. <laughs> Why? I already do. So thanks for joining us, Mint. Oh, can I can I pimp a uh, uh, tech chatter? Oh yes, oh yeah. Uh, my the podcast I do with Deg um, and uh, is uh, Tech Chatter, and you can find it at randomchatter.com or look on iTunes. Um, and uh, it's fun. We do it like every week ish, and uh, we talk about lots of stuff. And I rant. You think I was ranting on this show? You should see what we do there. Yes, <laughs> it's beautiful. Hey, by the way, did you get my private message on Twitter about my friend who's going to be son- on Sons of Anarchy? <laughs> yes, I wasn't quite sure how to respond. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. All right. <laughs> the end of another episode of Control Point. Victory! Every one of you deserves a medal! A podcast brought to you by the Dead Workers Party. See the show notes and leave comments for this episode at controlpoint.deadworkers.com or leave us a voicemail at area code 256-513-4772. Hey, Control Point. This is Bulletstorm again. And this week, I have a tip for the pyro. This is something I found out very recently while playing on the 360 version of Team Fortress 2. This tip for the pyro is one, to deal with enemies in the water. While I was playing on 2 Fort, I killed someone who was in the water. Now, I've conducted a few experiments. Pyros can kill enemies in the water with their flamethrower as long as a part of their body um, is above the water level, because then your flamethrower can still deal damage. 
they won't be on fire if they go back underneath the water. As long as they are, their bodies are out of the water, you can kill them with a flamethrower. So any pyro who is desper- in desperation is fighting someone in the water can kill them with a flamethrower while in the water. All right, control point. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Buffy 60 veteran. Um, just calling up. I was just listening to your podcast, uh, episode uh, 47, I think it was. And I was listening to that spy tip on a crowd jumping over them. I also have a little tip that's kind of associated with that. If you're an engineer, which I usually play a lot as, and if I want to repair my sentry gun, but I'm also in a big rush at the same time, what I'll do is I'll repair, repair my wrench, look down, jump over my sentry gun, and pull my legs up with the crouch button, whack the gun, but I'll usually fly over the sentry gun without having my uh, speed hindered, and just keep moving on my way. It took a while to perfect, but I've got it down. Helps a lot when there's spies on the other side of my sentry gun, and they won't stop snapping it. Um, also, there's a I got this tip from YouTube. There's this uh, guy on YouTube who made three parts of the videos that teach you how to be a spy. His name is uh, OMFG Ninja. Um, I followed some of his tips, and some of them were great. Like, um, pretend that like you're not looking at the enemy and all that, and then when they rush past you, quickly turn around and stab them in the back to get a quick kill. Um, I would recommend looking at his videos because I used to be a terrible spy. Now I'm virtually unstoppable as a spy. Hope this was helpful. Take care. Bye. I'm gonna blow that dumb love Right off your stupid face <laughs> Dispenser Erecting No, I think not Dispenser Erecting Yeah, yeah Erecting Dispenser Idiot No Dispenser Erecting I'm gonna lay you out Good night, Irene
Workers Podcast is a part of the Dead Workers Party Network. Listen to other fine shows at deadworkers.com slash network. Yeah, hey Wes, I do need to talk to you about that whole um, <clears throat> craziness. But uh. Yeah, I have, a, I have a porn star friend who's going to be on some episodes of Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> Which I wasn't sure how to like how to like respond to that because you got to remember that my Twitter also goes onto my Facebook page and one of the, most of the people that are on my Facebook page are also in my church. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I got yeah, and that's but. why I send it as a private message. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, all right, guys, uh, I'll see you around. Thanks for having me again. Okay. Cool. See ya.